0: You're listening to the Other Connor Podcast, a part of the Hockey Podcast Network. Here's your host,
1: Connor Halley. Welcome back to another edition of the Other Connor Podcast here on the Hockey Podcast Network. My name is always Connor Halley. You can give me a follow on Twitter at Connor Halley. Very quickly, quick shout out to our sponsor, DraftKings. If you're going to sign up today, make sure to use promo code THPN when you do so. It'll help you out along the way. Of course, the NHL in full swing. We've got NFL playoffs coming up again this weekend. The NBA, MMA, golf, and much, much more. Check it out, DraftKings, and use promo code And for the Edmonton Oilers. Not a whole lot changed since the last time we spoke here on the podcast. Of course, they lose on Saturday night to the Ottawa Senators, a winnable game that fell through their fingertips since then. Of course, uh, Stuart Skinner placed on the NHL's COVID protocol list and Willie Leggison on waivers. Gregor reporting that it looks like Chris Russell will return to the lineup. We'll talk about the Edmonton Oilers, of course, with Zach Lang of Oilers Nation and Daily Faceoff. And uh, since the Oilers take on the Florida Panthers on Thursday, we're going to bring in Doug Plagans later on in the show, he is the voice of the team on the Panthers' radio network. Of course, that team absolutely on fire. If you do play DraftKings, I would highly recommend picking up some members of the Florida Panthers because they are scoring at a crazy pace right now. I jokingly tweeted out on Saturday night that the Panthers might score 15 goals on Thursday when these two teams do eventually meet, if it happens. We've seen the NHL pull the plug on games before, but it looks like this is going to happen. The Panthers down in Calgary on Tuesday night. But well, let's get to some Oilers talk with Zach Lang of Oilers Nation and Daily Faceoff. You can give him a follow on Twitter as well at ZJ Lang. Zach, thanks so much for doing this today. How are you doing?
2: Hey, I'm doing well, thanks. Uh, always a pleasure to, to hop on and join you. So just just trying to beat some of the cold, you know, trying to stay inside, stay warm, and. Avoid any
1: traveling if I have to. Yeah, and we we talked a little bit before we hopped on here and started recording, actually, but uh, the Oilers Nation crew, you guys are all working at home. Uh, When when you're in the business of creating content and stuff, does that kind of make it tough not having the opportunity to to bounce ideas off with people face-to-face?
2: Yeah, it definitely plays into it a little bit. I think, especially early on in the pandemic, um, we we had a little bit of trial and error in terms of that sort of a thing. But I think, as a whole, we've gotten into a really nice workflow over the last uh, you know couple of years here. You know, util- utilizing things like Slack and. And, uh, Google Meets and stuff like that. So, but, you know, we were in the office a little bit in December and it was awesome to kind of be back around everybody. It's, uh, it's a different atmosphere when you're able to create content with the people around and and have more in depth conversations on a regular basis. So, you know, just trying to plot along in the meantime. That's, uh, that's what all we can do these days.
1: And the funny thing that came out of that conversation talking about the workspace, like, I, I feel like Oilers Nation, you're a Simpsons guy, right? Oh, big time. You big remember time. when they go to New York and like Bart goes to the Mad Magazine office and he just wants to see the crazy antics that go down, and obviously it's all behind the closed door. Like, that reminds me of Oilers Nation. Like, you got you, Baked Milk, your Remchuck, Wanye. Like, it, it just seems like it'd be a fun environment. But you guys also have a bakery in the building.
2: Yeah, we do. The bakery is deadly, honestly. It's, uh, uh, bread and butter is the name of it. Uh, go check it out down in Riverdale. It's unreal having, uh, a bakery in there. Like they have all the, you know, your standard loaves of bread and stuff like that. And, but they also have like focaccia and delicious like scones and Danishes and ham and cheese rolls. And I just, oh man, I eat so much stuff there when I'm <laughs> working out of the office and it's hard not to because it's, uh, it's so good, right? So. Yeah, no, it is uh, It is definitely a little bit like the Mad Meg. I just it's a pretty good comparison. It's, uh, there could be some pretty chaotic energy in that office
1: sometimes. <laughs> oh, I love it. Uh, bread and butter. Shout out to bread and butter. I'm going to make my way down there and check it out. See how it is, uh, the way you describe it. Sounds pretty good. Uh, you say it's good for the Edmonton Oilers. As of late, it just hasn't been good. And uh, we, we might as well just start off with the loss to the Ottawa Senators on Saturday, a game that I think a lot of Oilers fans thought was well within their grasp to win. It doesn't happen. What were your impressions from that game?
2: Yeah, it was disheartening, honestly. Um, I mean, going into the third period, you have a 3-1 lead like that, and then you just you watch the team absolutely uh, implode in that third period. Um, obviously, you know, Nurse got one back and kind of got the Oilers into it, but at no point in that period did the Oilers feel like they were really back in that game in any sense of the term. Um, you know, you listen to Connor McDavid's comments after the game. You hear a captain. You can hear the dejection in his voice and the frustration and what's been going on. And you know, even some of the other guys were like, I like, I don't know what to tell you anymore. And that was kind of their response to the media. Um, you know, and McDavid specifically saying something to the tune of, you know, it's one of his most disappointing regular season losses. I look at it the same way. It's uh, an incredibly frustrating one because again, that's a, an Ottawa team that's not doing very good this year. And, you know, of course, that should be one of those, uh, so to speak, scheduled wins. You um, know, it harkens back to the road trip that the Oilers went on in uh, in November and December there where they lost to Detroit and they lost to Buffalo, um, two other games there that the Oilers should have had um, and, and weren't able to. So they're playing down to the level of lesser teams, and that's what happened, I think, against the Ottawa Senators. And, you know, it's not going to get any easier here for the team either. It's a, a really tough schedule coming up.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, and it starts on Thursday with the Panthers in town. That's going to be a, a really tough matchup. And, you know, disheartening, I think, is a great way to put it. And obviously, I mean, you cover the team. Uh, I've been around this team for a long time working with TSN 1260. And I'll have people ask me, like, what's wrong with this team? And, uh, I mean, you could go on a real long list and, and talk about the depth and the special teams and the goaltending, but, at the end of the day, I mean, when you can't get a win against the Ottawa Senators and McDavid and Drysaddle playing on the same line combined for one point, I mean, it, it just wasn't good enough. And I, I'm i going to talk to uh, a few people around the league. You know, we do the team previews. But one of my favorite questions is from an outside outside perspective, what do the Oilers look like to you right now? Because, you know, if I'm the Florida Panthers, this is a game where I think, hey, if we score early, we probably got them. They, they don't play overly physical. They, they don't always bring the energy. Like, this, this team doesn't really put any fear into me if I'm in opposition right now.
2: No, absolutely. I think that's a really good way to put it. I, I remember one of my articles I wrote in early December, uh, around the time when the, the losing skids started. You know, the game plan then against the Oilers was simple. You know, you come out hard and aggressive in the first five minutes of the game, you set the tone physically, you can get some pucks and deep and shots on net, and, and this is an Oilers team that's going to cave. And the truth of the matter is we haven't seen them step away from that or even try to provide any pushback in that sense uh, early on in these games. Granted, you know, it looked like they were starting to do it against the Senators, but then a whole other issue arose, and that was the third period. You know, it was interesting to see the practice that the Oilers had yesterday. Uh, You know, a good, hard physical practice is obviously not going to be the worst thing for this team right now as they try and break out of this slump here. Um, but again, it, what matters is game day and when they get out on the ice, um, they seem to be a very different team right now and a team that doesn't have any confidence in themselves. You know, even guys like Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl, um, as good as they are, their their point production dipped a little bit over the last month and a half, two months. You know, they're still putting up a point and a half per game, which is any team would be happy to, but they didn't have that elite feeling that they had early on in the season so everybody's gripping their sticks tight and everybody's feeling frustration and feeling that pressure because at the end of the day it's gone. Um, you know we've heard Ken Holland step up and say that he doesn't want to make any big changes and we could go on for hours about whether or not that's the right or wrong move right now but at the end of the day he feels that the, the answer is within the room and the answers answers within the organization so now it's on the players to step up and and uh, prove Holland right.
1: Yeah, and I mean it's funny you mentioned you know McDavid and Drysaddle. And I remember earlier on in the year the Oilers were down, and there was the the quote from Drysaddle about like. Well, we're coming soon or whatever. And then they rattle off a bunch of goals. And there was the face-off, was it with the Zegras or something, that he bet money on. And you watch him now, and he he takes those shots that we've seen going in the past, and he misses, and the shoulders kind of drop. Like, to me right now, it just looks like a team that's defeated. And I thought Saturday, I went on Hernan Salas' podcast, the Locked On Oilers, on Thursday with him. And I said, like... I would love to see them put McDavid and Drysdale back together in this game. Like, this could be an opportunity to start off strong with those two and get their swagger back. And, you know, it, it just didn't go that way. They give, give up the first goal once again. And like I said, they, they combine for one point together. Uh, just not what we usually expect from the Oilers. Uh, moving forward, uh, Stuart Skinner yesterday, so Monday, uh, for those people listening later on in the week, uh, placed on the COVID-19 list, uh, so Mikko Koskinen, looks like he's going to be the guy once again for a few days at least. Uh, wh- what is your overall thoughts on the Oilers' goaltending position as it is right now?
2: Oh man, I mean, this has is, this is obviously got to be one of the most frustrating situations that presents to the Edmonton Oilers right now. Um, the Edmonton Oilers knew what they had coming into this year, um, and sorry, they knew what they had coming into last offseason, and they did nothing to augment that or to change it. They're putting their faith in 39-year-old Mike Smith, who's proving this year that he's injury-prone. He's you know, now on his second stint on the injured reserve with um, unrelated injuries. And you've got a guy in Nico Costin that you know is a backup goaltender in the NHL that can run with um, starting duties if, if he needs to for an extended period of time. You know, so you bring in Stuart Skinner, and he's obviously played well this year. He's been the best ever goaltender in my eyes. And now he's on the COVID list. So it's far from an ideal situation, um, especially when you consider the comments that Dave Tippin made uh, publicly a couple of weeks ago. And then again, as you mentioned, we got a Florida Panthers team coming in here that's scoring an absurd amount of goals every single night. It's, it's hard to look at this situation and feel confident in any way. Um, and at the end of the day, it falls on Ken Holland. He's the one who didn't make any changes to the goaltending in the season and decided to take a massive risk that he would blown up right in his face.
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, it, it is funny. Like, for two years we've said, you know, Mike Smith, sure, if he stays healthy, he can give you adequate goaltending. Maybe not enough to, to go on a long playoff run, but, yeah, they, they just haven't done anything to improve it. We know they were, you know, in on talks in the offseason with Darcy Kemper, obviously missed out to Colorado, but... Yeah, I mean, I'm with you on that one, and, and Ken Holland said it in his presser, like, it's on him. And he's gonna be the one that's gonna be blamed, you know, if this team uh, doesn't turn it around. Uh, Willie Legison placed on waivers today. Uh, Jason Greger of TSN 1260 and Daily Faceoff reporting that it, uh, Chris Russell expected to be activated. You think any, anyone grabs Legison? Yeah, I mean, I think there's
2: certainly a possibility. Um, there's clearly some discontent. Uh, between the player and the player's agents and the organization at this point in time. We look back at the, the comments that Alan Walsh made publicly in, in early December in regards to Legacy's usage. It wouldn't surprise me if the team took a shot and grabbed him because um, at the end of the day, I don't necessarily see legacy being a part of the Oilers puzzle moving forward. in um, and, and the NHL level, he's nothing but a seventh defenseman right now. Um, the American League, he's been a strong player down there, but he's also a guy who's probably looking for some opportunity to get some legway uh in the NHL. So, you know, I could certainly see a team stepping up to grab him. Um, I still think he's a, a good young defenseman. I think he just needs that opportunity to take that next step. And I just don't think that's a seemingly orderly uh, organization at this point in time.
1: Now, uh, just looking at the lines, Gregor tweeting out from practice today. Uh, not a whole lot changed from yesterday, but uh, Perlini, McDavid, Yamamoto, Hyman, Dreis, that'll play Harvey, Fulham, McLeod, Cassian, and then the fourth line, Shore, Ryan Sevier with Benson rotating in. Uh, when you look at those lines, uh, I mean, I, I guess some people getting what they wanted with Brandon Perlini up on that top line with McDavid, but does anything else stand out to you there?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest thing that stands out to me is that I thought Ryan McLeod, Zach Hyman, and Jesse Pugliardi were the Oilers' best line against the Senators last Saturday night. That's a trio that I think should stay together as the Oilers' second line. you got a guy in Ryan McLeod, he's a rookie, but he's playing some incredibly great hockey right now. He's very effective in both ends of the ice, and he's got two strong wingers there in Hyman and Pugliardi. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't, under, I don't know if stacking McDavid and Drysdale all the time is the best way to go, but when you're a team that's desperate like the Oilers are right now, you know, you've got to do anything you can to win, and if that means loading up that top line, then that's what you got to do. At the end of the day, I think you can, you can fall back to a second line of, of McLeod, Pugliardi, and Hyman during the game, And again, I also understand trying to spread it out a little bit against Florida because they've got three or four lines that can roll and their top six is as effective as any in the NHL. Truthfully, they have two first lines um, in their top six. It's really impressive. It's really deep. um, And it's going to cause havoc for the Oilers. So in that sense, the term, I can understand why they spread it out a little bit. Um, And I don't hate Perlini getting a shot on the top line. I think he's been a pretty strong player for the team this year, but I don't think that's a long-term answer for success for this organization right now.
1: Uh, Zach, uh, as you talked about the Panthers, I just brought them up, and yeah, this—that's <laughs> a good lineup in their top six. Uh, I agree with you. I mean, I, I liked Hyman in with Leary and um, Ryan McLeod. There, I thought I, I liked it on paper, and then I liked what I saw from it when they actually played the game on Saturday. Uh, I know a lot of people kind of critiqued McLeod uh, that the chance he had to throw a hit and did a flyby. That's something that I think is throughout the team, not just him. So I don't want to call him out specifically on that one, but yeah, I like to look at that line. Um, I guess, uh, you know, just looking now at something that's totally off topic, but I, I heard it when I was driving in here on TSN 1260. Uh the morning show, Dustin Nielsen and Lieutenant Eric do a great job with their drafts. And I don't know about this one. I feel like they're just going to be torturing some Oiler fans. But the draft on a Wednesday, 9 a.m. on TSN 1260 is going to be about the worst moves the Oilers have made in the last 30 years. So uh, if you had to choose one in the last 30 years, the worst move the Oilers have made, is there one that stands out to you? Because I guess the Koskinen deal would probably be one for a lot of people. Uh, the Griffin Reinhardt trade, oh man, that's tough to look back at. Is there one that stands out for you?
2: Man, I mean, for me, I think the Reinhardt was an easy one in a sense. Obviously, you look at what happened in that draft, the way Reinhardt completely didn't pan out at all. Um, but I'm going to go a little bit off the board with this one. Uh, I'm going to say Ryan, the Ryan Smith trade to the Islanders in the 2007. Um, I think that was one of the most devastating trades the organization's made. You know, Ryan Smith was a guy who was so loved in this city for so many years, and it was great that they were able to bring him back in the 2010s there and, and kind of give him a nice send-off to his career. But, you know, it was really hard to see uh, Smith moved over what was like, what was it, like a $100,000 discrepancy <laughs> in the contract? Like, it was ridiculous that they traded him over such a small amount. and you know, they got some okay pieces back. Robert Nielsen was a good player for the team for a couple of years. Another guy that I think the Oilers maybe should never have moved on from. Uh, but that's a story for another day. So I think if I had to pick one, well, it's probably going to be the Ryan Smith trade. Go a little off the board set.
1: I like that one. I mean, and I still remember, like, sitting in my parents' basement watching that trade go down. I think it was... Uh... I don't even know where I was watching it. It's probably on like TSN.ca or it might have been Nexopia or something where they were just talking about it like it was an E5. The contract's been signed. It's an extension. Then all of a sudden, no, he's going to the New York Islanders. And, oh, yeah, that was a tough one. And that was a guy who just should never have left the Oilers organization. He should have been a lifer. And like you said, it was good he came back. But, yeah, uh, that that's absolutely a tough one. Uh, Zach, one more before I let you go here. Uh, just what do you think happens Thursday night, Oilers and Panthers?
2: Uh, the Oilers are going to get blown out. I don't even think it's going to be close, honestly. Um, I-, I think the Florida is just playing way too good a hockey right now, and I just don't think the Oilers can match it right now. They're they're a dejected team. Sure, they need to find a win somewhere, but I struggle to see that coming against the uh, the Panthers on Thursday.
1: Yeah, yeah, I'm with you on that one. Uh, I-, I think it could get ugly, uh, especially with the goaltending situation and. You just hope the Overs can hang on and at least make it entertaining. Maybe make it a shootout so we get a little bit of offense from the guys and they can get their swagger back. But uh, it's probably going to be a tough one. Zach, thanks so much for doing this today. Really appreciate it. We'll have to get you on again soon. Yeah, sounds great. Thanks for having me. We're on to the divisional round of the NFL playoffs and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, is celebrating with huge odds boost for new customers. Counting down to Super Bowl 56, new customers get 56 to 1 odds on any team. Just bet $5 and get 280 in free bets if your team wins. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still get into the action of the huge divisional round. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes on DraftKings daily fantasy football contests. DraftKings is giving all new customers Customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN to get 56 to 1 odds on any NFL team. Just bet $5 and win 280 in free bets if your team wins. That's promo code THPN for 56 to 1 odds at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only, new customers only, minimum $5 deposit or $1 wager required, one per customer, restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Once again, big thank you to Zach Lang of Daily Faceoff and Oilers Nation for joining me here on the Other Connor podcast discussing the Edmonton Oilers. We tried not to get too negative there, but uh, with the way things are going for the Edmonton Oilers, obviously it's tough to be positive all the time, and uh, it's going to be tough for the Oilers going forward here. Of course, the matchup on Thursday night with the Florida Panthers, a team that right now is absolutely crushing it. Uh, just going back to their last couple games here. On Saturday night, they beat the Blue Jackets 9-2. The Friday night, they beat the Dallas Stars 7-1. And on the Tuesday, they beat the Vancouver Canucks 5-2. This team has no issue scoring goals. And for the Edmonton Oilers, a team that tends to leak goals, it might get a little bit out of hand on a Thursday night when these two teams meet down at Rogers Place. Again, for pregame coverage on that one, tune into TSN 1260. Tom Gazola, Matt Cassian, and myself will have you covered. Right now, though, let's talk a little bit about the Florida Panthers. Doug Plaggins, the voice of the team on the Florida Panthers radio network, joins me now. Doug, thanks so much for doing this today. How are you doing?
0: Doing great. Thanks for having me.
1: Oh, Glad to have you on the show right now, and uh, I think you might have one of the best jobs in the NHL right now, getting to watch the Florida Panthers play night in and night out. Uh For me personally, this podcast sponsored by DraftKings, so, you know, I've long considered the Florida Panthers a good team to, to really load up on when you're betting because, my goodness, uh, Huberto, Declare, Bennett, uh, I, I could go on and on. They've just got so many players who are putting up points at, at a crazy pace right now. Uh, just as of late, what's what's clicking for the team offensively where they've been able to score, you know, nine goals a game, seven goals a game?
0: I mean, they're playing with speed. First of all, they have four forward lines where everybody can go. Everybody can skate and they're playing with a ton of confidence, and playing and simple, they're having fun. And you talk about the number of goals this team's been able to score, I believe there are seven guys at uh, double figures as far as goal scoring is concerned, and they've got some others knocking on the door. There's a possibility, we were talking about it on the air the other day, there's a possibility this team could end up with seven or eight guys at 20-plus goals when uh, the season's done and over with. And Before the season started, we knew they were going to have a chance to score a ton of goals, that's been the case. They're on a uh, you know they're on a, a run right now. Where uh, I believe in the last eight games they've scored at least four goals in every one of those. They've scored uh, nine on a couple of occasions, including the game against the Blue Jackets back on Saturday. A, a big nine to two win uh, against Columbus. So they're putting the puck in the net and uh, they're doing everything well. And I think that's the other thing contributing to the offense right now. They always say that the offense and the productive offense starts back in your own end and uh, the Panthers have been able to play good defense. They've gotten really good goaltending. Maybe some of that's been overshadowed by the fact that the Panthers are scoring so many goals, but uh, Sergei Bobrovsky's been outstanding, and like I said, this team, plain and simple, they're just having fun, they're feeling good, they're confident, and uh, they have a ton of offensive weapons, and it's all clicking right now.
1: I mean, the guy to watch right now, Jonathan Huberto, obviously a third-round pick, uh, back in the Rhinogen-Hopkins draft, who went first overall right now, uh, tied for third, I believe, in points scoring with Connor McDavid at 53 points apiece, Like, this guy has been outstanding the last five years and maybe still doesn't get the attention he deserves. What have you seen from him the past couple seasons where he's really just started to elevate his game and become one of the top players in the NHL?
0: Yeah, he's become a superstar. And we've known down here for a long time... Uh, how good he is, and what kind of talent he possesses. And he and Alexander Barkov and Aaron Ekblad—they've really been the the cornerstone guys that have been here for a long time. And Jonathan Huberdeau—he's the longest tenured, longest serving Panther at uh, at this point in time. And he's really evolved his game a lot over the uh, over the years to the point where this year. He's taken on a lot of uh, regular penalty killing responsibility in addition to all the offensive responsibility that uh, he shoulders on a night-to-night basis, and he's become a really good penalty killer for the Panthers. So he's evolved his all-around game. He's become a superstar, and as far as the offensive ability goes, he has vision that is really second to none. If if you're on a line with with Jonathan Huberto, he's going to find you if you get open, and he can shoot the puck too. So. He can do it all. He can uh, he can hurt you in a number of different ways. And really, the the line combo that he's uh, that he's been with he's been playing with uh, on a line with Sam Bennett in the middle, Huberto and Duclair on the wings for most of the season. And these guys have just taken off. And that was a group that was put together late last year when Sam Bennett was acquired and he was thrust into that second-line center role, kind of had that role as soon as he walked in the door, and he's uh, he's just run with it, and that line has just continued to click, and uh, it's really, it's given the Panthers, uh, you know, a ton of offensive depth. Uh, you go right down the lineup, every line can beat you, and that, uh, that line right there, it's uh, when you look at the the first line and the second line for the Panthers, it's really not a first and second line scenario. It's kind of a 1A, 1B as far as uh, the lines go, and Jonathan Hoover, has been, he's been driving that line. He's playing like a superstar, and as you said, the points have really followed for him. He's on one of the most torrid stretches I think uh, I think I've ever seen somebody uh, in person be on.
1: Couple of names you dropped there: uh, Sam Bennett, Oilers fans very familiar from his time with the Calgary Flames. Very inconsistent with Calgary, but you know you, you talk about the goal scoring. He's got 15 goals this year. He's been outstanding. Uh, Anthony Duclair, a guy who came over, I believe, in free agency. Uh, just how good of a job has uh, Bill Zito and Dale Talon done uh, their time, kind of combined, just to really build up the depth with this team?
0: Well, when Bill Zito took over, the first move that he made was to acquire Patrick Hornquist. And that right there really... It really uh, changed the kind of the uh, mental makeup. It brought uh, you know a proven champion, one of those guys that's just just flat out a gamer. Um, and everybody knows around the league what what Patrick Hornquist, uh, you know that he he brings the lunch pail and he's going to give you you know everything he's got every single night. And he finds ways to, to score those those dirty goals. And he just has a, a motor that is second to none. Uh, so that was the first move that that Bill Zito made. It was acquiring Patrick Hornquist. And after that, you go right down the list. Uh, of players that Bill Zito's acquired, every single one has been a home run. Whether it was free agency picking up Carter Verhaeghe, who's uh, been a, a huge point producer for the Panthers, picking up Anthony Duclair before last season, uh, you know this off season, this past off season, I should say, picking up Sam Reinhart, uh, getting Sam Bennett, getting Brandon Montour last season. Every one of these moves have really paid off. Every guy has fit in just seamlessly with the group here, uh, with the Panthers. And as I mentioned in the, you know, when we first started talking, you had the guys like Barkov and Huberto and Eslab. They've been here for a long time. McKenzie Wieger now has been here for a long time. But Bill Zito has surrounded them with uh, a lot of really talented players, and it's allowed this team to just take off. The job that Bill Zito's done here has just been unbelievable. And as I said, every move's been a home run. As far as Sam Bennett goes, I always loved his game as a member of the Calgary Flames, and you always heard his name mentioned in different rumors and things like that. And I know we only got to see the Flames in person a couple of times a year because the Panthers are in the East and the Flames are in the West, but I felt like every time we saw Sam Bennett play, he did something, and I always really liked his game. So when the Panthers were able to acquire him, I was really excited about it. And like I said, I think the biggest thing, sometimes a guy does just need to change his scenery, but, uh, you know, he comes down to Florida, and from day one, he had, a, he had a defined role. He was plugged in as the, as the second-line center, playing with two really talented offensive players like Huberto and Duclair, and he just ran with it. And I think, uh, you know, when you look at the, the, the change of scenery, having that defined role as soon as he got here, and he's really just been able to shine. And I believe uh, going into tonight's game against the Flames, Sam Bennett's just one point shy of being uh, at a point-per-game pace with the Panthers as far as regular season games are concerned since he's been acquired. So uh, I loved the move when he was acquired, and I love the move today.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, the... We've got a lot of Oilers fans up here Jealous of what the Panthers have been able to do Just with their acquisitions alone Like it just seems like whatever they do It works out well And and I think you nailed it there Saying Sam Bennett came to that team And he had a role And now going back up against his former, t- former team tonight In Calgary You know he'll be motivated uh, You touched on it a little bit there Just about the offense coming from good defense And you know I look at the pairings here With Ekblad and Wieger That's great Gudis and Forsling Ulevi and Montour Like th- this is an underrated group in the NHL I think And maybe not underrated But the- they're just getting the job done.
0: Yeah, they're uh, they're doing an outstanding job. Um, you know, Aaron Ekblad, going back to last season, I mean, he's been playing at a at a Norse Trophy level. And last year, obviously Ekblad missed the late stages of the season and uh, and the playoff series against Tampa Bay with an injury. Um, he's back, good to go, playing at the, you know a North Trophy level once again this season. So great to see that he's uh, been able to fully recover from that. But one thing we learned too, when Ekblad went down last year, Mackenzie Weger kind of you know by default became the number one defenseman, and he was you know he was playing a ton of minutes and he was doing it all for this team. And he's shown the ability to continue doing that. The Ekblad Weegar defense pair, I would put that duo up against any top pair in the National Hockey League as far as defensemen go. Uh, and they continue to evolve their game. They continue to produce points. And they're, you know, the old phrase goes, they're playing against the other team's best every single night. And uh, and they are producing it, uh, you know, everywhere, everywhere on the ice. They're coming through in every situation. Um, you know, if you if if you're a if you're still a plus minus fan, I know uh, I know some people. You know, I I still tend to look at plus minus and because when a plus-minus stat is really, really good, it generally tells you something. And, uh, and those guys have been uh, really, really far out on the plus side of things as this season's gone along. But I think another one of those savvy moves that Bill Zito made uh Gus Forsling was a guy that they got before training you know really like hours before training camp last year picked him up from the Carolina Hurricanes Carolina had too many defensemen they couldn't keep everybody and uh the Panthers were able to claim Gus Forsling and he's come down and been just a, an unbelievable fit with this team my broadcast partner Billy Lindsay calls him a one man breakout sometimes because he's that good of a skater and uh, he's a guy that a lot of people are still learning about but He's one of those defensemen that seems to never get himself into trouble no matter what he does. He could make a rush up the ice, but he's got that skating ability to always get himself back into position, and uh, and that's a really unique ability for a defenseman to have, and he's been posting really impressive assist totals over the course of the year. Uh, Radko Gudis, who you mentioned, has given this team... Uh, a nice uh, physical edge to it, really uh, giving it some swagger, uh, and he's become a, a huge part of the identity of the Panthers. And Brandon Montour, again, maybe I uh, mentioned it already in this chat, but uh, I think he, he goes under the radar a little bit, but he plays on the second power play unit and, uh, and really does a nice job, and that was a great pickup. Uh, the Panthers were able to get Brandon Montour last year around trade deadline time without having to – disrupt the uh, the active roster, which it's always nice when you're able to, to make that kind of move and bring in a, a talent like Brandon Montour. Plus, they were able to extend him uh, during the offseason. So he's excited to be here, excited to be part of the plan. And uh, like everybody else, Bill Zito's brought in. Uh, he's He's been a great fit.
1: Oh, man. I mean, I, I wouldn't mind staying in Florida as well. Great hockey, great great town, great weather. It'd be a lot of fun. I, I think they're kind of the envy of the NHL right now, along with maybe the Tampa Bay Lightning who've had some success, as you know. Uh, just a couple quick one more for you, Doug, here. Really appreciate your time. But how has Joe Thornton fit in with the team?
0: He's been outstanding. And like and that was kind of the, the theme you got uh, at the start of the year. Uh, you, we really, during training camp, had a chance to really – Ask just about every guy every time we talk to anybody. One of the questions that came up was, "What's it like having Joe Thornton as a teammate?" Uh, You know, he just he just passed seventeen hundred games in the National Hockey League. Uh, You know, he's he's somebody that is really beloved by everybody in the game. It's it's really impressive. I mean, you you play that long in the league and you're still doing it at a high level. And and the other thing that goes along with it, he's and every player will tell you this: his his positivity every single day. The, the drive that he has, the love he has for the sport, it's infectious. Uh, the guys are all excited to... To be around him and, and have him as a teammate, and I think that's the biggest thing that you hear from uh, every day. And not to mention on the ice, I mean he's he's over 1,700 games in, and he still has elite level vision, and and he still uh, he can still be a factor on the Panthers' power play, and um, you know he's he still has that size, he can protect the puck, his hockey smarts are off the chart, um, so he's been a really valuable part of this team. But I think the big thing you hear from everybody is just his his positivity and what he brings to the room every single day. These guys on the Panthers they love having him as a teammate, and uh, and you can tell that uh, every single guy really looks up to Joe Thornton, and uh, and they're just excited to have him here.
1: Now, of course, after the Flames on Tuesday night, uh, the Florida Panthers in Edmonton take on the Oilers on Thursday. Uh, from an outside perspective, when you look at the Oilers right now, I can tell you that. Internally, I mean, in this market, there's a lot of negativity around this team. Uh, A lot of people think that the Oilers right now just so easy to play against, not making it tough against the opposition. What do you think of the Oilers from your perspective?
0: Well, I mean, plain and simple, I'm not uh, I'm not breaking any ground here. But uh, it doesn't matter if things are, you know, if, if the Oilers are on a hot streak or if they're on a cold streak, uh, they have uh, a couple of key cogs on their attack that have the ability to uh, to beat you every single night. So if you take a shift off, if you take a period off, if you take a game off, it could be a long night for you. So I think that's. That's the focus every night, and and I can imagine uh, you know the pressure probably uh, probably starting to grow. Um, and you know it, I I feel like that team is going to uh, I think they're going to get things turned around. That's just my view, but uh, but again it's going to be interesting to watch it all play out. But as I said, um, it's like any team in the league, but especially with the Edmonton Oilers, you got to be careful with them because if you're not, uh, things could turn against you in a hurry.
1: Now just quickly, uh, do you think uh, it'll be Borowski Thursday night or would it be? Spencer Knight.
0: That, uh, not totally sure. Actually, uh, we haven't heard as far as uh, as far as today's lineup goes. Uh, I haven't heard from head coach Andrew Brunette uh, yet. We'll hear from him coming up uh, a little bit later on here before the game. Uh, So then maybe we'll get a better sense of how things are going to play out and if they have any kind of plan as far as that goes over the course of the trip. But what I can tell you is that uh, Sergei Bobrovsky has been, he played both ends of the back-to-back over the weekend. He's been been logging some significant minutes lately, but he's been absolutely outstanding. Uh, He's been flat-out dominant, put it that way, and maybe that's getting outscored by the fact that uh, the Panthers are scoring about six goals a night. So, uh, you know, Sergei Bobrovsky hasn't necessarily had to steal one. He's been getting some pretty significant run support lately. But uh, the saves he's making, hes he, teams that have come into uh, – we've had a lot of home games here lately. Teams that have come in here have, uh, have been frustrated maybe in the defensive end because the Panthers' offense is so good. But they've been able to get some scoring chances, and uh, and they've been frustrated at the other end of the ice too, because Sergey Bobrovsky's been so good. So right now, uh, everything is is just clicking for the Panthers, and there's no doubt some of the confidence they're getting on the offensive end is coming from the confidence they're gaining by uh, how great their goaltending's been.
1: Well, they are they're just a fun team to watch right now. I really enjoy getting those afternoon games on the weekend. Uh, Doug, thanks so much for doing this. Really appreciate it. Have a great call in Calgary tonight, and uh, I hope you brought your winter jacket. It's a little bit cold in Edmonton.
0: (laughs) Thank you very much for having me. Anytime.
1: Excellent stuff from the voice of the Florida Panthers on the Florida Panthers radio network, Doug Plagans. Make sure to give him a follow on Twitter, at Doug Plagans. Of course, the Oilers taking on the Panthers on Thursday night. It's a 7 o'clock puck drop down at the Ice District for pregame coverage. Tune into TSN 1260 at 6 o'clock. Tom Gazzola, former NHLer Matt Cassian, and myself, we'll have you covered. And uh, I was not joking about DraftKings. I mean, if, if you're a fan of DraftKings and, you know, daily fantasy sports, When we used to have uh, Jeffrey Ulrich of uh, DraftKings Nation on every week, he would always talk about the line stacks. And we'll get him back on the show again, I promise you that. But if you want to do some line stacks, I think you got to look at the Florida Panthers probably on Tuesday night and probably on Thursday night because those guys are putting the puck in the back of the net and uh, doing a lot of good things So it's going to be a fun one on Thursday night When the Oilers take on the Panthers uh, Connor McDavid, Leon Draisaitl are looking to bounce back uh, I don't know if you saw it It kind of dropped right as we were taping this But uh, Jim Matheson of Post Media And Leon Draisaitl having a little bit of a back and forth uh, At the Oppressor today Matheson asking why Leon Dryasettle's pissy, Leon Dryasettle bouncing back. I highly recommend you hop on social media and check out that exchange. A little cringy, but uh, definitely something to watch uh, <laughs> today. Uh, it's good to see that the Oilers are a little bit grumpy because they should be. Frankly, they have not played good enough the last month and a bit and uh, definitely need to turn that around. So uh, they should not be in good spirits. That's all I'm going to say about that one. That's going to do it for another edition of the Other Connor Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Big thank you to Zach Lang of Oilers Nation. He joined me earlier on in the show and Doug Plagan's the voice of the Florida Panthers. Make sure to subscribe on all the different platforms. We need all the views. Give me a follow on Twitter at Connor Halley. Big thank you to DraftKings the Hockey Podcast Network, and most importantly, you. We'll talk to you next time here on The Other Connor Podcast. Thanks for tuning in to The Other Connor Podcast. New shows drop every Tuesday and Friday, wherever
0: you get your podcasts from.